You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Night, your hub for Habs content. back to another episode of Habs Nightly, folks. Always joined by the wonderful Mason Dixon sitting in his computer desk at Algonquin College, probably, or university, whatever it's called. Mason, how are you, bud? I'm all right. Pretty busy uh, weekend for me. I spent Saturday in a hangover coma, hungover coma. Got out of bed at 5 p.m., didn't accomplish much from working all day to catch up, but I'm okay. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, it's my mom's birthday, but unfortunately me and my wife had to work. Um, and I'm still dealing with a broken toe, a fucked up back. And I worked uh, this morning Saints game. So when I came home, I was walking like, uh, I don't know, like the hunchback in Notre Dame. And I went and saw my mom. She was like, God damn, you want to go lay down? I was like, absolutely. I'll come back and see you in a little bit. Um, but I'm okay. Ready to knock this episode out the park and uh, hopefully get back to bed because I have another like fucking eight days before I have a day off. So bit busy. It, it went from uh, I am sitting around in my underwear for 10 months to having one day off in the past three weeks. But I'm okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know how we segue from here, but we there's need a some hard hockey segue. That, there's some hockey that happened. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it just didn't end up going. It didn't end up going the way we wanted it. We kind of knew the Islanders was going to be a tough, a tough game, and they got the best of us, especially after I was expecting a a solid performance from the Habs after a really good night uh, two nights previous against Detroit. Um, I guess I'm taking saying they got the best of us is kind of a. uh... (laughs) I think Brock Brock Nelson got the best of us. Maybe a bit of an overstatement. I don't think any team has seen the best of the Habs this year. I think this team's played like shit. Mm-hmm. And say what you want, like we're so far into the season, it's fair to say it's a lack of talent. But the the amount of underperformance on this team is staggering. But I think the biggest underperformance of anyone associated with this team has been Jeff Molson and his inability to take action and you know. By taking action, I mean by firing Mark Bergman because that loss against the um, Vegas Golden Knights, that's a backbreaker. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing Chicago firing their head coach and making these moves. And I think Montreal's got – honestly, the, the records say otherwise. I think Montreal's start has been far worse. There was a lot higher expectations in Montreal. Mm-hmm. 
it's just time to go. Like it's time to move on. And honestly, this team could go on and win a bunch of games and they could play above 500 hockey for the rest of the season. And I'll be happy and I'll cheer them on, but I will not be satisfied until Mark Bergevin is no longer associated with this organization. That's the point I've reached. Jesus. (laughs) That's, that's fair enough. Uh, Yeah. Things need to change. And uh, fortunate for Dom Ducharme, he hasn't had much time. So we look higher to a guy who's had, what, 12 years now? 10 Um, years. 10 years. Yeah. Um, And let alone let's Trevor Timmons, who drafted Carey Price. mm -hmm. 2005, I was three years old. That is insane. 2005. I, th- I was 13. <laughs> Holy shit. I was 13 stuck in Texas because of Hurricane Katrina. <clears throat> and you were just big chilling at your house. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He's got to be one of the longer tenured uh, GMs of, of, of right now. You know, maybe not in like all of hockey, but. Well, he's the assistant. The other thing is, you know, everyone looks at Trevor Timmons of scouting. I think Trevor Timmons has done well drafting players, but mm-hmm. where Montreal has failed is developing said players. And at some point you have to look at this team and you say, what kind of success have we had in developing players in drafting players and just in sort of any on ice success. Right. And you know, you see Trevor Timmons who I've given a lot of praise to in the past, you know what these last few years, the last 10 years, let's say, the guys fumbled two third overall selections. He approved, you know, you know, a lot of blame goes to Mark Bergevin. And I don't think we've talked about it enough because I think it's just distasteful and we don't want to. The Logan Malo selection. I have my own issues with some people crucifying someone who was 16, I believe 16 years old at the time of, the awful thing he did. We've talked about this. I don't think he's a serial killer and I don't think he deserves to have his entire life taken away. But what I do know is that he specifically asked teams not to draft him. And we can make the excuse and say other teams would have drafted him. Yeah, I'm sure other teams would have drafted him. But the Montreal Canadiens did not need to be that team. Took him first, took him like 40 players before he was even marked. Well, that and the, here's the thing: he, Logan Malo was a projected first round talent, but he, he wasn't a top ten. Like he wasn't this some. He's not some transcendent skater yeah. either, and it it shouldn't matter regardless. He asked not to be drafted, and, and we were like, "Oh, let's have a heart and and give this kid, you know, no chance at redemption." Yeah, and that's I don't even want to focus on that. But my point being in bringing that up. Trevor Timmons had to have had a big voice in that selection. Mm-hmm. So that's two third overall picks. That's the Logan Malone incident. Let's not even talk about the countless other draft picks that haven't panned out in the first round. Michael McCarron, who Trevor Timmons was a big advocate for. Nikita mm-hmm. Sherback, um, Noah Juleson. Injuries, yes, but, you know, still, we didn't develop him. Yep. We moved on from, from Mikhail Sergachev too quickly. Uh, 
how how many more? Who did we draft in 2017? Paling. What is Paling doing? Fighting they, to get here. <laughs> and and gets demoted every time he gets a chance because they yeah. put him on the fourth line. Like the amount of first round talent that has been wasted by the Montreal Canadiens is it's gross. And honestly, I feel like the players that have succeeded have succeeded in spite of the player development from Montreal. Look at what we saw with Lekkinen. When Lekkinen burst onto the league, this is a guy that broke Daniel Alfredson's scoring records in the Swedish league for rookie players. Okay. Arturi Lekkinen was a scorer and he was supposed to be a sniper. And look what he's become a mm-hmm. very, very quality NHL player. He can't put the puck in the back of the net to save his life. Do you know how many goals he scored his rookie season? Not off the top of my head, sorry. Eight, 18 in a fourth-line role. Mm-hmm. That Jeez. doesn't project to be a player that's uh, – he hasn't gotten close to that since. I think his be- next best is, I believe, 12 in 82 games. And we were talking about one of – who looked to be a perennial 20-25 goal scorer for this club. He hasn't done it since. Cole Caulfield is another great example of a player that broke onto this team, played very well. One training camp later, look at the struggles he's got off to, not only in Montreal, but in Laval, in which he didn't look great his first game. And so far, a period and a, a period and a half into his second game in Utica, he's not looking great either. Oh, Alexander Romanov has looked phenomenal these last few games, but I think it's fair to say as the season progressed last season, I actually thought he got worse. <laughs> like yeah. this team, this team cannot develop players. And I saw what was the stat um, with price out. There were only three players Montreal had drafted that are on, on this team right now. And that's Brendan Gallagher, Arturi Lekkinen and Jake Evans. Now Lekkinen and Evans are both, Evans is a success story. That's a seventh round guy who you're going to plug into your bottom six. Mm-hmm. Lekkinen, I would argue, is a failure. And Carey Price is Carey Price. Now, when you talk about teams <laughs> that have been successful in this league, look at Tampa. Look how many players that they have drafted that have gotten in and made an impact in their organization. Braden Point is still on one of the friendliest deals in the league. I believe he makes $4 million dollars. Because they they grew him, they developed him, he became the amazing player he is. So I think, you know, you can point the blame at one player in this person in this organization if you want to. I think that's misguided. I think that's misjudged. I look at the entire management level, top to bottom, and I think the entire management staff, the head office in Montreal needs to be cleared. Montreal needs to hire a president of hockey operations, who is going to come in there and absolutely clean house. And I don't care. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of Ducharme right now. I don't care if Ducharme stays for the time being because you can run through as many coaches as you want to. It's not going to fix the fact, the fact that this organization has a problem at the very, very top at a foundational level. And that doesn't just mean Trevor Timmons and Mark Bergevin. It means Rob Ramage of player development. It means the scouting department, like, all of them. Right. Clean house. Start over. Because what you're doing is not working. And the definition of insanity is continually repeating the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And that is what Jeff Molson is doing 
Every single year, he lets Mark Bergevin and his company of friends run it back over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Now, I Got apologize any... for the rant. <laughs> holy fuck. Like, how can we see it and a billionaire can't? Yeah. Um, you got any, uh, excuse me. Do you have any, uh, wishes, maybe a coach or a GM you'd like to see? I don't care. I really don't care. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Like if Peter Shirelli comes in, I'm going to cry. Okay. Understandable. But what this, and we can talk about the language debate all you want. Let's not kid ourselves. It's going to be a fucking French speaking person. And there's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I believe there are better English candidates out there right now. Right. And if there is, if it comes down to an Anglophone and a Francophone, I'm not going to say pick the Anglophone. I'm going to say pick whoever the fuck can do the best job. Whoever's going to kind of elevate this team. It's not going to go that way. But honestly, I just want whoever can make this organization competitive again. I am willing, and I don't know how many times we've said this, Corey, I am so willing to go through pain. And I remember when Mark Bergman talked about the retool, those seasons were painful, but I got through them because he said, we're going to build with Nick Suzuki. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to retool. And in a couple, three to four years, we're going to make a run. And you know what? We made a run. We did, but mm-hmm. Bergman preached that we would make those runs with Weber, Price, and the young core that he drafted. Well, the young core you drafted, the main piece of that young core, you fumbled, and he is now playing on the first line out of position on Sebastian Ajo's left wing. And what the compensation you received for that has put up a grand total of, I believe, five points. And we paid a first and a second to get him. And I have no problem with Christian Dvorak as a player. But that that he's not, that's not Yasperi Kakiemi. And we're not winning. And you look at other players he's drafted in that time span, okay? From 2017 to 2021. Jake Evans, or sorry, Jake Evans was drafted beforehand. So Alexander Romanov is on the team. Do you, can is there anyone else? Like, no, uh, no. <laughs> on the Canadians, it's just Romanov. You've drafted one player in 2021, Logan Malo, who is never going to play for this team. I don't care what you say. You say you may have a plan. Bergevin, you're not going to be here long enough. Like that kid, he, that kid yeah. is never going to play pro hockey in the NHL. And it, whether or not you think that's right or wrong, that's a discussion that I just honestly don't want to have right now. But <laughs> What I can tell you is he won't play in the NHL. And if he does, it'll be a miracle. And that's just not a chance you should be willing to take when you want to compete right now. That is a project player regardless. Let's take away all the off-ice issues. Logan Malo was always going to be a project. Mm-hmm. Caden Gooley, you know, I think is could work out, but he's not going to play in the NHL for a little while. You couldn't, you couldn't convince Jordan Harris to sign and if the team keeps playing like this he might walk away yeah that's one of your best puck moving defense that's one of your best prospects in general Caden Primo's still in Laval 
because you've kept Carey Price and he's in front of him. Like he, as long as Price is here, Primo won't play. It's another fucking mm-hmm. Zach Fukali, Michael McIvan situation. And the only other player who realistically is going to has a chance of playing on this team that you've drafted is Ryan Paling. And he's stuck in Laval because you shelter him in a fourth line role with plugs and expect him to create offense. So I can, I can live, I could live through those years when I thought there was a plan. Yeah. This, this plan is we're looking at players we've been excited about and you just know they're never going to pan out here. Not no, either. and we're watching them pan out at other places. Mm-hmm. Miguel, Sir, you know how excited I was for Miguel Sergachev? Yeah, I was too. And you know what? You traded him for Druen. We lost that deal. It's fair to say now. Druen's mm-hmm. played amazingly. We have, we did lose it. Yeah. Like, regardless, I don't care if Druen plays as is a better player now for the next five years. Tampa won two cups. Okay. They won that deal. But like what I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is I, I was willing to go through that pain when that was the plan and it right. looked optimistic, but you wanted to compete this year. You signed David Savard and Mike Hoffman in the off season. You gave away our 21 year old third overall pick centerman for a 25 year old. Who's good at face-offs because you wanted to win. You wanted to replace Philip Deneau. But at the same time, we could have just kept the no if we really, if this let, was the plan. You let Philip Deneau walk. You let Thomas Tatar walk. You went into the season without Shea fucking Weber or Carey Price. What was your plan? Not if you want to be successful, you don't let the best five on five hockey team or sorry, five on five line in the NHL in the last three years walk you don't last year do you know how many goals that philip deneau line allowed on five on five in the entire 56 games because i actually this is a real stat it's gonna sound made up i'm gonna say 22 philip deneau brendan gallagher and thomas tatar during five-on-five play, were scored on three times last season. (laughs) When they were on the ice together, they were scored on three fucking times, five-on-five. And you might say, wow, like that's an outlier season, shitty division. They were the best five-on-five line in goals for and goals against for three years straight. Mm -hmm. And you want to argue that if, you know, oh, whatever, like sheltered role, they, they weren't providing. Philip Deneau is doing it again in L.A. Yep. He's part of one of the top five lines in the NHL. He's playing with Alex Ayafalo, and I can't even remember. They're not huge. Like, you let that guy go. Yeah, and he's making – I wouldn't – I don't want to call anybody an average player, but he's making players that are going to have big names because of Philip Deneau. Alex Ayafalo had good numbers previously. Mm-hmm. So I will say that. Like, it's not – how would you say it? It's not the um, – It's not guess, that adding not him, is, him. Is, yeah, is, is making him. But Philip Deneau is making $5.5 million a year. Which is 
quick. It's not. I, I don't know about. I don't think that's ridiculous. It's not astronomical. <laughs> I mean, no. it's actually isn't. It's like less than what he wanted. I believe it's, he wanted. You know, Christian well, Dvorak. The, the media is, said it was six, but I mean, Christian Dvorak is making four point four million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And for, we're we're like horrible for, on the until twenty twenty five. Um, oh, the Dvorak, other... Dvorak's amazing in the face-off. But my point is, you've saved a million bucks. Yeah, not much. One player is clearly far better than the other. The other part of the Deneau line is Adrian Kemp. Yeah, who has been a solid, mediocre NHLer for a very long time. But he's no Dynamo. And... Like, I don't even, it seems like we're just babbling on and on and on because there's so many fucking moves that Mark Bergeron, a lot of blunders, fucked up. Like, look at stats and you look at Christian Dvorak's season last year and you say, oh, wow, that guy put the puck in the back of the net. Oh, he did this, did that, right? Like, I don't really care that Christian Dvorak scored 17, I think 17 goals last year. I would I would 17 take, goals. I'd take the nose slow start season that he had last year. There was nothing wrong with it if he was providing us from getting scored on constantly. Philip Deneau was, you know, Philip Deneau scored five goals. He was on the ice for three goals against. So he's already a plus two. <laughs> Let's just assume that the rest of his line didn't score. Christian Dvorak scored 17 goals last year. Say what you want about plus minus. He was minus 11. And I say that only because I guarantee you Dvorak was on the ice for more goals scored against than he was for goals scored for. Right. And at the end of the day, putting the puck in the back of the net is more flashy. But as Dave Poulin always said about Philip Deneau, Say what you want about him. He's a 30-goal scorer because he might score 10, but he'll keep 20 out of the net. And you don't win, yes, you don't win by scoring the by number of goals scored. You win by did you score more than the other team? <laughs> and if you can stop them from scoring, you can win. So to wrap this whole fucking tirade up, because I've gone on and on and on here. What I'm saying is, I don't care if Montreal wins five more games this season. It'll be painful. But if Montreal loses five, wins five more games this season, and I have to put my trust and my faith into Mark Bergevin to use those draft picks and to clean up this mess, I am going to continue to get more and more frustrated. We are 12 games in, and this is the point that I'm at. It's an 82-game season this year. But if this team goes on to get 38 points, which is what they're on pace for, think about that, 38. <laughs> if this team goes on to get 38 points, but we have a new GM with a new plan, and he's got all these assets that, you know, he's already got a top three pick, and he has Nick Suzuki coming into this deal of a contract at 22 years of age who looks like he's going to be a stud. He's got Alexander Romanov. He's got Jordan Harris. He's got players like Mike Hoffman, 
to fully carry price who he can trade to get more assets for. Well, that sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I can live through that, but I cannot, I will not as a fan support this organization if they're going to keep feeding me the same bullshit because I, you know what? We deserve better. We deserve better than this. We like talk about Habs fans are too impatient. I think we've been patient enough with Mark Bergevin. 10 fucking years. That's more than half my life. This piece of shit has had Uh this organization going down the fucking garbage bin. I think I've been patient enough with Mark Birchman. I'll acknowledge he's had his successes. But you don't date a girl that brings you this much pain. You don't bash your head against the wall over and over again, expecting it not to hurt. And you don't continue to employ a general manager who continues to not give you any success. Right. Because how many times have we said it, Corey? This team doesn't measure success in in playoff in playoff yeah. appearances or second round appearances. You gotta win. Yeah, not even in cup finals. You gotta win. And you know, I'm looking at a calendar and we haven't won since 1993. There's been no success. This city deserves better. These fans deserve better. And honestly, these players deserve better because I cannot stomach watching this organization ruin more young hockey players' careers. And as long as Mark Bergevin and Trevor Timmons and his fucking bicep crew are at the fucking top of this organization, it will be the same mediocre bullshit year in, year out. That's fair. I was actually looking up to see when our when our uh, what was our worst season as far as uh, f- final points. Excuse me, I am literally about to sneeze. Excuse me. Um, in the eighty-two game era, um, and it's looking like two thousand and two thousand one. We had seventy points with twenty-eight wins, forty losses, and I don't even think we're gonna fucking get close to that. And that was with uh, Vigneault and Tarion. So, <sighs> well, I mean, Montreal finished in what place? 28th in the NHL and drafted Yasperi Kakiniemi in 2017-18. Right? Mm-hmm. That team had... How many points did that team have? 71. One more more than one season. This team is on pace for 38. Like, I... Oh, my God. That's almost... That's so close to being half. It's disgusting. It's brutal. And you look at the goaltending this team has had. Jake Allen is not like if Jake Allen isn't on this team, this team consider this. Montreal has lost has won one game where Allen let in 
no, like let in a goal. Outside of one game out of 13, if Allen lets in a goal, this team loses. The goalie, except for one outlier against Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. Against another team that is horrible. It's taken Allen to be perfect. Like, I just, fuck, man. It's painful. Well, I know this is going to upset you, but uh, I was looking while I was looking at the stats to see what was our worst season uh, in the 82 game era. Um, Hockey references added the all time top 12 players, which I believe is based off of uh, points uh, per season, I believe it is. And Andre Markov is sitting at ninth overall, not as like the all time top, like best players ever. But uh, I was surprised to see such a a young, you know, w- w- a current. What I'll say that a current player, you know, not current as in playing with us today, but yeah, uh, such a close one. You know, Mark Bergevin let him walk away pretty not ceremoniously, <laughs> didn't he? Do you want some real perspective? I knew it was coming. I was like, man, I kind of want to bring it up, but I know he's gonna fucking lose it. Do you want some perspective though? Yeah. <clears throat> the last time Montreal finished a season under 50 points under 50 points was 1941 to 42 mm-hmm. they had 39 points and they played 48 games if you want to go back to the last time they finished with 38 which is what they are on pace for it was the year before 1940 Yep. World War II, in which Montreal had 38 points in 48 games. They had played all, just over half the amount of games and still finished with 38 points. This season Montreal is on pace for is, is not only <laughs> going to be one of the worst seasons in Montreal Canadiens history, if not the, it will be the worst. No, it is. I've, I've scrolled. It's. It will be one of the worst <laughs> in the entire history of the National Hockey League. We're talking Detroit a few years ago, bad. Like Colorado a few years ago, bad. And you know what the worst part is? In both those instances, those teams drafted fourth. <laughs> Oh yeah, we've um, seen what we've seen so, what Bergevin can do with a third overall pick. What the fuck do you think he's going to do with a fourth? Right. Um, so, but even if we, you know, have the worst season in the world, don't we forfeit our first pick? No, oh, to it's Carolina. Top it's top ten protect. Oh, trust it's going to be top ten. <laughs> it's protected. They're getting that Carolina pick. But regardless, like, what the fuck does Christian? Let's. Yeah. I'm just saying, could you imagine this team goes on a run? Consider that. They don't finish with 38 points. And they get the 11th overall pick. (laughs) And that goes to Arizona. (laughs) Could you imagine? I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. This team is headed nowhere so quickly. 
Well, look, I'd like I want to segue into a little bit of positivity. I know we brought him up a second ago about Nick Suzuki, but before we do, we have a word from our sponsors over at DraftKings. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's That can be kind of tough. Doesn't matter if it's one-time clapper or a death deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can pay. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, NHL. I'm so used to it being football. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only. A minimum $5 deposit, the $1 wager, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I kind of fumbled that one up a little bit. Need a little water. Don't have any. But, uh, yeah, dude, you know, I noticed, uh, you know, obviously uh, amongst uh, the turmoil that's going on with this season, uh, Nick Suzuki – has really kind of found where his rhythm is so far. And I hope if any positive comes from this season is that Nick Suzuki can shine in, you know, in the depths of, of hell that where, you know, where the Habs are sitting right now. Suzuki's played amazingly. He has, I believe I tweeted it out. I think it's 12 points his last nine games. Mm-hmm. He's got 12 points in 13 games on pace for 75 points this year. The kid's a stud, and he's, I think, succeeding in spite of the fact that this team is fumbling. Um, yeah, that's three goals, nine assists. Yeah, post it. And, and Romanov has looked amazing. He played 14 minutes, I think, in that loss to Vegas. Should have played 25. Yeah, absolutely. He was our best defenseman on the ice, bar none was joining the rush, playing well. And you know what? I think that's in spite of what Stu Charms told him to do. So I think it's just frustrating because we're watching our young guys try to succeed. Mm-hmm. Coaching is clearly not helping them. Um, <sighs> I'm just a little upset that, you know, like, I mean, I'm all aboard Nick Suzuki, you know, elevating his game and finding it even when the team is so at a loss. Um, but Cole Caulfield should be should be up there with him, even if it's not on his line. He deserves to get as many chances as we've given Nick Suzuki to find his game. And well, you know, after, you, after your rant, you know, it just really – it hits home. Like, this kid 
you know, we thought that you sent him to the AHL, and granted, he's only played, what, two games now, maybe three. Um, not much elevation, you know, not much, you know, we don't think he's going to, you know, learn a lot from there. He's just, we were just hoping that he'd go there and he'd get a lot of minutes, kind of, you know, dominate and then be ready to come back up. But it doesn't look like it's the case. And therefore, I think that it's kind of a, it was a shitty dump off. Like now this kid's in the AHL, um, still looking for his rhythm where he should be looking for his rhythm with the team that he deserves to be on. Like this last, the 10 games he played and then into the playoffs was, should have, should have unlocked his quest as far as, you know, not having to go back to the AHL. Um, well, I look just, at what teams who actually know how to develop young players have done in this season alone. Look at Detroit. I'm, no. I'm actually watching a more cider. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, my fucking cat. I'm actually watching um, some Detroit Red Wings um, highlights right now. That more cider kids on unreal. Well, and that's my point. Everyone more cider is great in fantasy right now. He's got. 10, 11 points and however many games. He's almost a point-of-game player. Now, if you've just watched Mort Sider against Montreal, I think this um, I think this point will, will resonate with you. I think you'll understand what I'm trying to say. And if you've watched more games, you'll definitely get it. Mort Sider has put up a lot of points. He's not a good defender. Like, he's going to be one of the premier defensemen in the NHL. Mm-hmm. But Offensively. <laughs> But, yeah, even alone in Montreal, he gets beat. Like, you can say, oh, Anderson beat him those couple times because he's fast. The guy gets beat on the outside a lot, okay? Mm-hmm. A lot. He's not great defensively. But clearly, the coach isn't telling him to fix that in, what, sacrifice of his offense. Yeah. He's saying, go out there, play. We'll work on that. You'll get better. But they're not making him lose confidence. Lucas Raymond, another player on that team, has played amazing. Look at Ottawa. Ottawa's not a good hockey team, but they put up points. And mm-hmm. I said it at the start of the year. They're going to lose games 5-4, to 6-5. to five, But they're going to score. And they're speedlining all their, all exactly. their rookie talent. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's a lot easier to figure out defense than it is to figure out defense than offense. Mm-hmm. Learning how to – a good offensive player can become a good defender. If you take away a player's confidence, they're not going to – like look at Lekkanen, for example, or Amia. Right now they can't shoot. Dvorak, same way. Let them go out there and let them figure out the defensive part of the game later. But you look at Montreal, Romanov's on the third pairing. The commentators, you know, take your pick. Gary Galley, Dave Poulin, Mike Johnson, none of them can figure out why this kid's not playing more. Cole Caulfield, he struggled, yeah. You should have just kept putting him out there and he would have figured it out. But what you're doing is you're trying to turn players into something they're not. You're trying to turn them into third-line, grindy veterans who care about defense. I'm sorry about I, yeah, I don't want Caulfield. I don't want his first priority to be back checking. 
or fucking keeping his stick in the right lane. I want his first right. priority and his second priority and his third priority to be scoring goals, and then he can worry about defense. I mean, but what's really what's unreal about that is that he's not bad. He's he's a pretty solid two way defense, uh, two way forward. Um, well, you know the best way to defend don't have the, fuck- the puck in your end. <laughs> if you're scoring goals. They're not scoring goals. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I Maybe I'm, you know, actually I say I'm, fuck, I'm not an NHL coach, but I can figure that out. Like they, this team, and that's the problem with this team. They don't know what they are. How the fuck is Desharm supposed to know? And I'm not defending him here, but what's he supposed to know? Like what the identity of this team is. There is no idea. On one hand, this team is like, that's the point. Are they rebuilding? Are they competing? Does anyone know? Do the players know? Because I bet you Carey Price would say, I want a Stanley Cup. I bet Nick Suzuki would say, I want to see if I can score 30 goals this year. The priorities are different. And I think they're different in management among different management members. I think the coaching staff doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Um. Jesus, the cat just jumped up on the table. No, no. Um, it's ridiculous, but there's a bit of it's I think it's a little too early to say a light at the end of the tunnel, but Kerry Price has rejoined the Montreal Canadiens. You know, um there's still no timetable as far as when he will be back on ice with the boys in a game, but it is good to see that name popping back up, but it's also coming with the backlash of people uh, wanting an explanation, almost blaming this slow start on him. And I think that is why Carey Price needed this time off is because of how the fans just depict that, you know, he's supposed to be our savior, you know, when we're not scoring because that's the problem, obviously. But um you know, instead of people being like this, it, it's kind of torn. You know, you see like have Twitter, you got like half the population is super excited to just even hear Carrie Price's updated status. And then you get all the fucking backlash of people saying, oh, well, you know, thank God, because, you know, it's his fault that we're three and what are we three and nine? Damn, I guess I wanted that to be good news. And now I'm now I'm. I, I've, I've guess you've you've fueled my aggravation with your rant earlier, um, and now I'm just upset again. <laughs> but uh, there's really, you know, the, it really feels like there's no end in sight. You know, this 38 point season that you know we're predicted to run is it seems really, really uh, probable even with the likes of Carey Price coming back. I don't think you can insert Carey Price and, you know, whoever thinks that just just because of that, it's that's not changing things. That's not just because you insert him, he's not coming back to turn this into a 500-game season. I just don't know, Mason. <laughs> I don't think anyone in this organization knows. And I don't think we as like I like I said I think it all sum it all up. It's funny when the keyboard cowboys, you know, like I don't think we're as bad 
but like people like us are like i normally we have all the answers you know we 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 got all the things that they're doing wrong or or things they haven't seen we're kind of all in the same bus of like no you kind of got to let this fire burn out and then rebuild like this is it's just ugly and then well i'm i think the difference is we're not sitting here pretending to know and that we to know that we like have all the uh, answers to say that we know what you need to do to fix this team and that you should make this move and that move and draft this player and do that we're saying we have eyeballs we have brains and something isn't fucking working here it does like i'm not pretending to be an nhl general manager I'm not saying I could do Mark Bergevin's job better than him. I'm saying as a member of the, a podcast, as a, you know, we're, we're not, I wouldn't say we're me, mainstream media members, but we're media. We do this. We have opinions mm-hmm. saying that there needs to be a change. I'm not saying what that change should be. I'm not saying what specific moves they should make. I'm saying Mark Bergevin clearly got to go. Has got to go. <laughs> that's and the first can, step in the right direction. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're not when you I like when you say keyboard heroes or whatever you said. Mm-hmm. Like we're not. I'm not sitting here typing a paragraph about how Mark Bergevin should have traded Max Pacioretty for this four years ago and what an idiot and blah blah. Like I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on the fact that Mark Bergman hasn't done what his job entails. And his right. at the end of the day, his job is to make this team successful enough to win a Stanley Cup. And I yeah. am not going to, like, we'll keep going That's, back. We're not it. dreaming. That's not happening right now. <laughs> yeah. And say, you know, there's going to be hardcore fans who say, Mark Bergevin made the cup final last year. How dare you? Like, dude, <laughs> look, I was just as happy. We can all, we can all roll a dice and, and, and land a nat 20 every now and then. Yeah. And like, I'm not saying Mark Bergevin <laughs> didn't put us into the position to get there because he, he did, but let's not kid ourselves. Carrie price got us to the Stanley cup final last mm-hmm. year on top of one of the best times like that was the best penalty kill I've ever seen. Yeah. And that's because they got hot on the penalty kill at the right time. Everything went perfectly. But if it's not clear to you that Mark Bergevin's plan from day one to now hasn't been to crawl into the playoffs and let Carey Price <laughs> carry you there then i don't know what to tell you because it's so clear to me that that is his plan he doesn't have a plan you know he's just like uh it's based on the back of carry price and and when will the mule break you know uh unreal but no i think it's time we we get the petition started for the uh the hashtag uh Something clever with Burger Van, Burger Van wagon burning. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Uh, <laughs> but we got a tough road ahead. I mean, um, 
on Tuesday, we've had quite a break, which is I'm sure this team could really use it. Uh, we got a three-day break, and then we're going – are we going – no, we're playing at home against L.A., which is uh, – I don't see – Philip Dano just really proven the the epitome of this episode, especially his point. I hope he scores a fucking hat trick. <laughs> um, they're gonna dominate us, and then Thursday we're going into uh, into Calgary, and I don't know. I think we talked outside of this. They got the hottest goalie in the fucking league right now, and in, uh, in Markstrom, I don't see us. <laughs> I don't see us really doing that great. And then I, it's so wild to think that our saving grace could be the Saturday game against Detroit since it's the only team we've really found success around. So uh, this is going to be a tough week for us, folks. Um, hopefully we can look at good things like, you know, the performance of Romanov and, you know, hopefully a, a continued streak with Nick Suzuki. But I don't see us having that much success coming up. I mean, Jesus, these these next couple of games look brutal. But uh, I think I think we've landed enough today. Uh, Mason, do you have anything else to say before you leave? I don't know. Fuck this team, man. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Fuck this head office. Okay. I'm frustrated. I, I don't really have anything else to say. Like, okay. What else can you say? No, we're just all watching, watching from afar, you know, just they crumble around us. But uh, next week, I do want to talk. I wanted to talk about it today, but we really got into uh, a deep fucking rant uh, about the Auntie Ronta hit and how, what are our thoughts on it? I think we'll save that for next week. Uh, but folks, this is the end of today's episode. We want to thank you all so much for listening and always listening to us. It's really awesome that you guys do that. There's at least like 500 of y'all now, and that's fucking beautiful, you know, uh, to say the least, because we work really hard just to, you know, give some get. I mean, at first, I think it was just to kind of we just wanted to do something fun and talk about our favorite team. And now I feel like we get to do it for a lot of people that, you know, regardless if you like what we're saying or not, you're at least giving us a listen, and that means the fucking world to us. But uh, as always, you can find us at Habs Nightly on Twitter and myself at Bayou Benders on Twitter. Also, I always love to shout out Canadians Aggregator. If you're on Twitter, that's Canadians, A-G-G-R. Uh, they really helped us when we first started. They're one of the best places, best sources for all have material. You can find our podcast along with many others on there. Um, also, if you guys want to leave us a 30 to 90 second clip telling us about whatever the fuck you want, we will feature it on the show, make it a topic. You can find that at www.speakpipe.com forward slash Habs Nightly. And folks, this has been Habs Nightly. We'll see y'all next time. And good luck to this team. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.